Hello and welcome to the Skatema Human Excellence Group Caring Growth Podcast and I'm your host Etsko Skatema. The Caring Growth Podcast is a revitalization of a podcast which we had previously produced at Skatema called the Intent Discussions Podcast. Um, the in- reason why we called it the Intent Discussions Podcast in the past was because we were convinced that we still are convinced that Actually, you can account for the issue of success. It doesn't matter what your frame of reference is, whether it's per, uh, organizational excellence, leadership excellence, uh, team excellence, or personal excellence on the basis of the intent of the individual to give unconditionally. In other words, the degree to which people are you have to give is the degree to which you have excellence in all four of those areas. Um, we have subsequently decided to uh, rebrand this, uh, the podcast to the Caring Growth Podcast. And the reason for this is that we, Caring Growth really is the most uh, understood branding of the work that we do out in the market. Although it specifically refers to a leadership model that we've designed uh, in the past called the Caring Growth Leadership Model. It, however, can because it's, it's such a benign framing, it actually is broad enough to contain uh, what we understand as excellence in all these other uh, four areas. So, kind of make sense of this if you think about an organisation as an inverted cone, uh, because clearly there's fewer people at the top than at the bottom then we're arguing that that whole organization succeeds based on the degree to which the individual gives more than what they take in pursuit of the organization's objectives. So organizations succeed when the the whole organization makes a contribution to its market rather than takes from its market. But because no collective has an intent, that intent has to be found on a granular basis in terms of the intent of each individual in the organization. Second to this, um, if you say, well, how does this r- relate to the uh, to what to, to the the people themselves? The, I mean, you can the first place to sort of find people in the organisation becomes apparent when you take a a vertical sort of section through the organisation, because then you're dealing with hierarchy. And fundamentally, our understanding is that most bosses have this view that it's their job to achieve a result through people. And unfortunately, that understanding of their role fundamentally makes them takers. I mean, if I am trying to achieve a result through you, you are my means to the result that I'm to, trying to achieve, which basically means I'm there to get something from you. And um, uh, that intent creates the condition where most people become rebellious about being in this business and actually won't want to be in the organization to make a contribution. So the question is, what does the boss need to do with their understanding of their role? What does somebody in hierarchy need to do with their understanding of their role in order to shift the direction of service where they're not there to take from the subordinate, but they're there to give to the subordinate? And it means that they have to do something strange with their understanding of their role to say something like leadership is about achieving people through results. I mean, that initially sounds bizarre, but that's exactly what a coach does for a team. You know, if a coach said to a team that my job is to achieve a result and I'm going to use you, the players, as my resources to achieve that result, the team will be very unhappy. They'll probably, um, I don't know, join the union and flatten these tires. 
But if because primarily because achieving a result is actually not the coach, not the coach's job. That's the team's job. Now that doesn't suggest that the that the coach doesn't have a job. I mean, the coach has a job. His job is to coach the player. Um, but um, he, he, in order to coach the player, he's got to understand what's happening on the field, and he's got to understand what's happening on the scoreboard. I mean, if he doesn't understand those two things, he can't coach the player which suggests that he doesn't achieve um, a result through the player. He actually uses the result and the, the game that's being played as his means in order to coach the player. He literally achieves a player, grows a player with the game that's being played. So if leadership in an organization have done this reframing of their understanding of their role, if they understand that actually they're not here to get from subordinates, they're here to give to them, and they're actually specifically here to give to them like a coach gives, and they view the organization, therefore, and if you like, the task that the organization does as a gymnasium that enables them to cultivate extraordinary people, then basically the organization is in safe hands. Now, the next sort of thing to look at is, is what does this intent to give mean for peer groups? Because if you took a, a horizontal section through this cone, you'd basically be dealing with, with, with teams, with peer groups. And in fact, the same argument holds true, that the intent to give accounts for the success of the team. And um, a very simple sporting analogy, again, would suffice. I mean, if you think about soccer being played at a professional level, surely most of the work that happens uh, that on a, with a, a professional level uh, soccer game isn't, uh, isn't about somebody scoring. It's actually about somebody who's trying to set somebody else up to score. In other words, um, the, if you look at this issue from the intent of the individual player, what the individual player who's trying to set his colleague up to, to score is saying to his colleague is, I'm quite happy for you to be the star. I don't have to be the star myself. And this has to be true. I mean, clearly, if every member of the team is trying to be the star themselves, you no longer have a team. You've got a herd of cats. So what makes a team, what is this magnanimity of spirit of the individual which is willing to set their colleague up to be the hero and the star, rather than wanting to be the significant one, the hero and the star themselves. Um, finally, one needs to really sort of understand what this issue of the intent to give, and particularly if we start arguing the intent to give unconditionally means for the individual themselves. Because if you look at um, both the vertical sort of variable, which is kind of talking about hierarchy, and the horizontal variable, which is talking about peer groups and teams, those two variables intersect at the level of the individual, because clearly every individual occupies a place, both in the hierarchy and a place in a peer group. And what you're saying to the individual concerned is that, listen, I mean, you know, in every engagement you have with somebody else in this organization, deal with the other person with the intent to set the other person up to be the hero. Now, most people might find that a little bit distressing. I mean, you know, you know, in a sense, you know, are you asking me to cut my own throat? And actually, this is not the case because we can demonstrate that what people want from life is actually to be found at the feet of the intent to give unconditionally. Um, if you ask people, you know, what do they want from life? Um, why do they come to work, for instance? Um, you normally get four classes of answers. You get a set of answers that deal with the issue of security. In other words, I come to work to earn a living for my family or to pay the bills or uh, keep a roof over my head, pay insurance. 
Then you get uh, reasons that are concerned with fulfillment. I come to work for the job satisfaction or for the, uh, you know, for the being creative, for learning, for growth, all issues relating to fulfillment. Then you have issues relating to significance. I mean, you know, some people would say, I go to work to build my career. I even know people say, I come to work for the status. And that suggests that there's kind of, there, most of us have a bit of a competitive streak to us. We're not comfortable with the idea of dying a nobody. And because this is about competitiveness, it really is about rising above others. So it really is about power. And then the last reason, if you love, is not last in, in terms of least, but if you're sort of the last of the four that I'm exploring here, is the issue of harmony. Because what people would also say is that I, you know, I come to work because I think our business makes a fantastic contribution to the world. I believe in what we do. Um, I'm committed to making a contribution. I, I come to work to set up my team to succeed, etc. In other words, if you ask people why they do things, they'll give it to you, they'll answer you in four categories, either security, fulfillment, power and harmony. Now, if one considers this from the point of view of intent, in any situation that faces you, you can either construct your intent on what you're getting, or you can construct your intent on what you're giving. Now, let's assume, for instance, you, you base your sense of security on what you're getting from the world. You know, whatever it is. I mean, maybe a, a, you know, a salary or some assets. You know, the question to ask is, you know, if, if your sense of security is based on what you're getting, then how often does the world that faces you give you exactly what you want at that particular point in time? And the answer is actually never. In other words, if you base your engagement with the world on what you're trying to get and you base your sense of security on what you're getting, you'll never be secure. The world very rarely gives you exactly what you want at that particular point in time. And, and a further implication to this is that, that there aren't enough assets, if you like, to scratch the itch called insecurity. I mean, you know, if you, um, and the reason for this is that, you know, if, if you base your sense of security on the quality of what you're contributing in any situation that you're in, because you've always got control over the quality of what you're contributing, you'll always be secure. And a very similar argument has to work for the issue of fulfillment. If I base my happiness and my fulfillment on what I'm getting from the world, because the world really gives me what I want at that particular point in time, I'll always be discontented. Whereas if I base my happiness on the quality of what I'm contributing, because I've always got power over what I'm contributing, I always have control over the quality of what I'm contributing, I'll always be fulfilled. The issue of power is, is, is interesting because if I want something from somebody else, their ability to withhold what I want gives them power over me. I, in a sense, become their victim. I'm under their thumb. Whereas if I construct my engagement with somebody else on the basis of what I can give to them rather than what I'm trying to get from them, they can't withhold anything from me. I, in other words, I slip out from underneath their ability to manipulate me and I become powerful. And the reason why I become powerful is that I'm now giving attention to what I have power over, to what I'm giving rather than what I'm getting, which I don't have power over. And this has a knock-on effect on the issue of harmony. Um, if, I, if I deal with somebody on the basis of what I'm trying to get from them, their ability to withhold what I want gives them power over me, and it actually makes them dangerous to me because they can manipulate me. But not only are they dangerous to me, but precisely because I'm trying to get something out of them, they would experience me as dangerous to them. In other words, they're dangerous to me and I'm dangerous to them. And if we're dangerous to each other, we're going to have conflict. If I shift my intent from what I'm trying to get from the person to I can be helpful to them, they can't withhold anything anymore. They can't manipulate me. I'm safe from them. 
But precisely because I'm trying to give something to them rather than get something from them, they are safe from me. In other words, I'm safe from them and safe they safe from me. And if we're safe from each other, then we'll have harmony. In other words, you can account for the issue of the of success. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about organizational success, leadership success, team success, uh, individual success. And you can frame it differently. You can say you can you speak about the issue of excellence. You account for the excellence in all four those areas, organization, leadership, team, and a personal excellence on the basis of this key variable of the intent to give unconditionally. Thank you very much. Um, what we're going to be exploring in the future in these podcasts are the various and multifaceted expressions of this idea of the intent to give unconditionally. Um, we will also include input from people that we've been working with um, clients, um, co-workers, uh, uh, you know, this business is, has been going for 30 years now and it's quite a wealth of material that we're sitting on and we've got uh, three oper four operating uh, offices in our organization. We have a, a business here in South Africa, we have a business in Pakistan, we have a business in Sweden and we have a business in, uh, in Australia. And hopefully we'll be getting input from all of these colleagues over a period of time to enrich this podcast. So um, we'll see about the cadence. We're not entirely sure how frequently we'll be publish publishing, but it'll, it's, there certainly won't be gaps of months. I mean, hopefully there'll be uh, at least one publication in a month of a podcast. And I, I hope you enjoy this. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.